This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It's 5.08. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. First up, with a new government in place, we're looking at what the most urgent needs are when it comes to the Orangasli. Right. So there was an article in the Star this uh, this week on Monday, uh, and it focused on members of the Orang Asli community expressing their hopes for the new government, uh, hoping that they would pay attention to their infrastructure and social economic uh, development issues. Klantan Orang Asli Chief Penghulu Bidi Rogeng, who was interviewed, uh, hoped that the new government would speed up uh, with uh, connecting roads to settlements uh, that are still, in many instances, used as logging roads. These include uh, places uh, in. Um, Klantan like uh, Post Balar, Post Balatin, uh, Post Gob, Post Tohoi and many more. So those aren't the only concerns, right? Alec Busu, who's the Penghulu of Kampong Prawas in Post Bala, um, also hoped that um, the integrated development project can be implemented in the Orang Asli village area at Goa Musang as soon as possible. And he talked about complaints around uh, the need for tarred roads uh, or at least bulldoze tracks that have often been raised by the residents in the area to the authorities. And honestly, when we um, when you read the article and you hear about these concerns, they sound like such bare minimum requests, right? We want tarred roads. Um, you know, we want to be able to walk to places and feel safe. And it does seem fairly ridiculous that after decades of demands, decades of advocating um, for better um, quality of life for Orang Asli communities that we're still sort of in the same place and having the same conversations. Well, certainly they are. And the question, of course, is whether this goes back to the electoral dynamics that we have in this country, you know, where if you um, are from a minority community or, you know, exist in a, in a particular position, that your voices are only valuable insofar as, you know, uh, the elections come around and you promises are made and then in that five years. So, uh, um, yeah, I mean, the Orang Asli community, I think, who number less than 200,000, I think, across the peninsula, uh, concentrated in some constituencies, but because they're not electorally significant, maybe the easiest to ignore. Uh, sadly, um, that's often that's often how it pans out, right? Uh, but I suppose the hope here is that with a new government in place, particularly with all of this uh, unity government talk being bandied about, uh, perhaps some attention will be paid to these urgent issues. Um, we'd like to hear from you. What do you think the government needs to prioritize when it comes to Orang Asli issues? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we'll be speaking with lawyer and social activist Bartoni. So keep it here, BFM eighty nine point nine. Break from monotony. BFM 89.9. It's 5.12. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. And we are talking about um, priorities when it comes to the Orang Asli community, particularly with the new government in place. We'd like to hear from you. What do you think the government needs to prioritise? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, WhatsApp, or send a voice note to zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now is Bartoni, who is a lawyer and social activist. Bartoni, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> so, with this new unity government in place, what are the most urgent issues that you'd like to see addressed uh, when it comes to the Orang Asli community? 
well, <laughs> the issues are actually the same, you know, the same issues that has been uh, brought up by the Orang Asli, you know, has been articulated by the Orang Asli all, all these years, you know. Firstly, you know, the first uh, issue is with regard to land, you know, recognition of Orang Asli land, you know, recognition of Orang Asli land rights, you know, because land is so crucial you know, to the uh, survival of the Orang Asli, you know, Orang Asli, you know, want the land to be recognized uh, so that, you know, the uh, land, you know, the place where they live, you know, where they work on, you know, is secured, you know, with a proper recognition of the land, you know, they can uh, develop their land, you know, to uplift their economic uh, uh, well-being, you know. With the land being recognized, you know, uh, they can ensure, you know, continuation of their spiritual, uh, what you call, aspect of their life, you know, because a lot of their spiritual uh, life, you know, depends on, or is connected to the land, you know, you know, like, for instance, you know, uh, in a way, Orang Asli uh, have a, a symbiotic relationship with the, the forest, for instance, you know, so if the forest is cleared, you know, then affect, you know, the, the, the belief system of the Orang Asli, you know, the, uh, the birth of shamans, you know, among the Orang Asli, their spiritual well-being, and um, to some extent, you know, the way of life, you know, the traditional way of life, because if you look at Act 134, you know, one of the definition of Orang Asli or the, the element, uh, the important element that has to be proven, you know, to show that a person is Orang Asli, you know, is continuation of Orang Asli way of life. And the language that they speak, you know, because a lot of the vocabulary, you know, is uh, connected to the land, to the forest, you know. So, recognition of the land is very crucial, you know, apart from, you know, stopping people from encroaching Orang Asli land, you know, resulting in Orang Asli being dispossessed from their, their traditional uh, areas, their traditional land, and, uh, you know, resulting in Orang Asli losing uh, many of the land. This is happening almost everywhere, you know. You know, I get called from Orang Asli from all over the country, you know, complaining, you know, or telling us, you know, about, you know, people asking them to leave, you know, their areas, you know, their land being uh, acquired by other people, you know, not just, just private individuals, you know, in, in fact, government agencies, you know. So all this has to do with, because... You know, Orang Asli land are not recognized. It's prior the fact that Orang Asli has uh, right over the land and common law, you know, is recognized by the court. But this doesn't seem to <laughs> go well, you know, with the authorities. You know, many of the authorities, you know, don't seem to recognize this, you know, which is a sad thing. Uh, yeah. Tony, you're a, yeah, you're a member of the community yourself. And, you know, I, just g- guessing from your vintage, you would have seen a lot of attempts uh, at uplifting the Orang Asli community. We have had 50 years or more of yes. development and programs and poverty alleviation programs. But in, you know, prior to the pandemic, the, the stats are quite dismal in terms of poverty rates, about 89 percent. Why have these programs failed to have a positive impact? Uh, well, firstly, as I mentioned, you know, uh, it has something to do with land, you know, because of the non-recognition of Orang Asli uh, land, I mean, you know, as far as authorities are concerned, you know. So the status of Orang Asli land is uncertain. When the status is uncertain, you know, uh, uh, it sort of hinders, you know, a proper, more concerted effort, you know, to, to be carried out, you know, to help evaluate uh, to address, you know, Orang poverty problem. And the other issue is the approach, you know, I, to me, you know, 
I think the approach, you know, at helping or uh, undertaking uh, economic project for the Ranasi is not quite accurate, you know, because what is happening now, you know, what has been done, you know, over the years, you know, is to uh, is to sort of uh, implement projects, you know, which sort of uh, agricultural project, for instance, you know, which are then farmed out or, or contracted out to Vista and Felcra, you know, and these agencies, you know, they pay very dismal. Uh, Dividends to the Orangasli, you know, something like 300, 400 dollars, you know, I mean, ringgit a month, you know, per household of participants, you know, this, this, this is very, very small, you know, you know, it can't take care of Orangasli needs, you know, and um, so the approach has to change, you know, it has to, to, you know, be something that you know empowers the Orangasli, you know, the scheme, you know, has to be undertaken by the Orangasli, you know, apart from empowering the Orangasli, you know, it, it, it makes it, it sort of uh, makes Orang Asli really involved in the project, you know, and then apart from that, you know, uh, the sharing of profit, you know, is reduced because all whatever income or profits, you know, that is obtained from the project, you know, accrues to Orang Asli, you know, it's not shared, you know, with other agencies, you know. So that is one thing, you know, one, one, one of the, I think, failures of the program, you know, is not really to undertake program, you know, that can empower the Orang Asli, you know, but is something that you know trapped the orang asli in uh, uh, what they call continuous uh, poverty situation so mm. it has it has to change you know the approach has to change you know yeah so in their manifesto, uh, Barsa National did promise to establish a special cabinet committee on socio-economic development and rights of Orang Asli. Now that Pakatan Harpan and BN are governing together, do you expect more political will when it comes to addressing these development deficits? I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> because <laughs> in the past, you know, we have uh, sort of uh, something like uh, Orangasi consultative uh, uh, body, you know, a group of uh, people, including Orangasi as participants, you know, to advise the government, you know, on what are the things that need to be done, you know, what are the programs or policies, you know, to be initiated for the Orangasi. But, uh, you know, I'm so sorry to say this, you know, it's appears, you know, that it's just remain on paper, you know, nothing really translated, you know, into actual concrete uh, initiatives, you know, that can help uh, alleviate, you know, or honestly, uh, economic problem and other issues, you know, yeah. So, but we do hope, you know, I, I you know, I suppose, you know, Pakana uh, Alpan, perhaps, you know, with uh, the, uh, uh as you mentioned, you know, in the manifesto, you know, they say that they will want to help the Ramasli. You know. So I hope, I hope, you know, uh, that manifesto, you know, can translate, you know, into actual implementation or uh, uh, ish, uh, what do you call it? policies and program, you know, can materialize, you know, which can help uh, uplift the economic. Uh, 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 progress of the Orang Asli, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tony, you know, you mentioned land as key to solving the problems of the community. Yeah. Uh, land is a, a state matter in, in, in yes. very significant ways. So w- when we talk about these issues, federal might set up structures, Jautang Kwasa, whatever, but is it really at the state level that the, uh, that the questions will be addressed? And how do you see, it? when you look at the different states around the peninsula, how are they dealing with this and who's doing well and who's doing badly on on the score of uh, uplifting the Orang Asli? Well, uh, 
see what they, uh, yeah yeah it's true land is is under the purview or under the jurisdiction of, of, of the state you know, and each state you know I, I believe you know they have their own priorities you know and how they treat the Rangasli you know will <laughs> differs from one state to another you know? but uh, I understand you know in Selangor they have a committee you know a, a committee that looks into Rangasli affairs and I'm told you know uh, that uh, the state government has been uh, quite uh, how to say you know uh, promising you know in the effort you know to help uh, uh, protect or gazette or mostly areas as or mostly reserves you know other state too you know I mean they have been gazetted for mostly areas you know I cannot deny that but the amount of uh, the number of areas you know the amount of land gazetted you know, uh, as or mostly reserve you know do not do not really cover you know all or mostly areas you know and many areas are still exposed you know. I mean, uh, exposed to Rangasli to encroachment and uh, the threat of this position, you know. So, uh, what can be done, you know, is perhaps, you know, you know, there is a National Land Council, you know, so where all the Mutribasas or state representatives, you know, are, are members and the state government or the federal government, you know, they can use this mechanism or this, this vehicle, you know, to address Rangasli issues, you know, come up with, you know, discuss policies or initiatives, you know, how to resolve honestly issues and perhaps, you know, uh, come up with directive you know, that all states, you know, need to protect honestly uh, land, you know. Yeah. It can be done, actually, if there is a sincere political will on the part of the authorities, you know. Nothing, nothing um, difficult, you know, and in any case, you know, as, uh, you know, we always say, you know, what orang asli asking is, yeah, their traditional areas. You know, they are not asking any new area or, or areas or land you know, occupied by others. You know. So it's something that you know it, it just requires political will. You know, yeah. So, uh, Tony, we've had uh, p- people saying that they're hoping that uh, Zaid Hamidi, who's now the Minister of Rural and Regional Development, will take on some of these issues. But I wonder if, there, you know, there's a kind of global conversation about actually indigenous communities around the world as custodians of ecological uh, sensitive areas, right? Is there an argument to be made about shifting our focus in terms of who is responsible for the community and where should it be parked? Is getting Orangasli communities as partners in protecting the environment going to shift the conversation in productive ways? Well, yes, you know, as far as, see, you know, Orangasli, you know, uh, they don't destroy the forest, actually. They don't destroy the environment. You know. That is why, you know, you see, you know, they have been, Really against logging, you know, because logging is very destructive of the environment. You know, so you see orang asli, you know, like in Kelantan, for instance, putting up blockades, you know, to prevent, you know, logging from being carried out. You know, so uh, yes, orang asli, you know, they they want to protect the environment. You know, so if you know a uh, uh, focus, you know, can be made, uh, you know, that you know, recognizing orang asli land or recognizing orang asli areas, you know. Can contribute, can can be viewed, you know, as something, you know, to do with protection of the environment. You know, I think that can be one of the solution, uh, you know, to resolve Orangasli uh, land issues. You know that, you know, I uh, know of uh, court cases or uh, decision of uh, court in in, in Kelantan, uh, cases where Orangasli, uh, you know, they won the case. You know, apart from gazetting areas which are. Occupied by Orang Asli, you know, to uh, village side, uh, farmland, you know, orchard, 
they also agreed, you know, that uh, areas surrounding forest, forested areas, yeah, surrounding Orangasli, uh, uh, where Orangasli live and where they have their, their what they call uh, orchards, you know, their, their farms, you know, are protected, you know, are not allowed to be locked. But Orangasli can still access to that, you know, to, to, lead their, to, to carry out their traditional activities, you know. So in that way, you know, uh, if there is guarantee that the forest is not, Locked, you know, it's not uh, open up, you know, for any land scheme. You know. I'm sure the environment uh, can be protected, you know, and Orangsley has an important role to play there, you know, too, you know. We, in fact, in this regard, you know, we we have suggested, you know, Orangsley has suggested that Orangsley be employed as forest rangers because being people who are so knowledgeable you know, about the forest, you know, they, they can do a better job uh, to protect the forest, yeah. Yeah. So a lot of times the initiatives uh, put forth by the government are often viewed as being quite tokenistic. I mean, we mentioned earlier how even after decades of projects and programs, we're not really seeing much positive change for the community. So looking at the promises that were made before GE15, what do you think can be done to ensure that the authorities are actually held accountable to these promises? <laughs> well... How to say it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I suppose they have to be sincere. Like the authorities, you know, they have to be really sincere, you know, in uh, implementing or in fulfilling whatever promises that they have made. You know, perhaps, you know, a, a special committee or what, you know, to be formed, you know, and uh, that uh, a report card is made, you know, and to see the progress, you know, what has been achieved and what has not been achieved, you know. Otherwise, as you mentioned, you know, it, 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 you know, it will become just another token, you know. Uh, election promises, you know, so it will not really be helpful to the honest leader, you know, so and uh, apart from that, you know, you know, it came out in the papers yesterday that, you know, there was a uh, uh, issue voiced out by the Orangasli MP of Cameron Island. He says, you know, that uh, the Orangasli department, for instance, you know, is so uh, handicapped, you know, in terms of uh, manpower. And then, uh, uh, you know, he says that um, most of the officers are low ranking and, you know, they can't really sit, you know, in local committees, you know, on, on development, you know, to discuss about Orangasli uh, projects, you know. So something, this has to be addressed too, like, you know, uh, sort of a revamp or how to say, you know, reform of uh, the Orangasli department, you know, so that uh, they have the means, they have the capabilities, they have the expertise, you know, to really uh, help, you know, uh, implement uh, uh, what you call uh, initial policies and projects, you know, for the Orangasli, you know, which are meaningful to the Orangasli. But uh, whatever they do, you know, I would like to say this here, you know, self-determination you know, in terms of uh, that, they have to decide with the Orangasli, you know, what is best for the Orangasli. You know, something that cannot just be implemented or initiated from without. There has to be with the participation of the Orangasli, you know, with discussion with the Orangasli. You know. Yeah, that will go a long way, you know, I believe, you know, making whatever initiative, you know, uh, 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 what you call uh, put forward, you know, will become more successful. Yeah. Batoni, thanks for speaking with us today. That was Bartoni, lawyer and social activist, um, speaking to us about um, 
urgent initiatives that are needed for the Orang Asli community from the new government and how to keep them accountable, actually, in many ways. Let us know what do you think the government needs to prioritise when it comes to Orang Asli issues. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a WhatsApp or voice note 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.